Good morning, good morning. Yes, thank you, for sure. Good to see you all. Uh, yeah, for some of you who've been here a while, you may know I am not Tim Mori. Um, my name is Jeremy Gordon. And I'll be talking a little bit, these past handful of weeks we've been talking about evangelism. And I, I don't know, a month and a half ago or something, Tim reached out and said, hey man, you want to um, do a message? He said, you know, at that point we're going to be kind of going through this uh, series on evangelism. And I said, I will definitely do a message. I will definitely not do a message on evangelism because I am terrible. That is not a strength of mine, evangelism. Not to say, anyways, I'm just not good at it. And I don't want to be up here lying through my teeth about, you, hey, you should evangelize, and I'm terrible at it. So I was like, you know what, man, I'll definitely speak, but can we do something besides evangelism? He said, yeah, man, choose a topic, whatever you want to do. So this morning, what we'll talk about instead of evangelism, we'll talk about giving, Okay which is another fun topic. Everyone loves evangelism and loves giving. These are our favorite things to do. Next week, we'll, it'll be on public speaking, so we'll f- figure out how to really get uncomfortable around here. Uh, actually, public speaking, funny enough, my, my daughter is in fourth grade, and they're starting to have the kids do presentations. So once a month, she does a presentation on something, whatever the different topic is, right? So I think she's a little more oriented now to when I come up you know, to do this, what it kind of feels like, you know, she knows the experience of like getting in front of her peers and talking. So this morning we're about to have breakfast and she's like, dad, dad, do you, are you, do you feel nervous about speaking? And uh, we had this whole conversation and, and uh, I'm, I guess I'm, I kind of am nervous, not nervous right now. We're eating our French toast or whatever and kind of having breakfast, but definitely once it gets, it's like as it gets closer, it's like, you know, like on a roller coaster, it's like clink, 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 clink. And you know, it's going to be like, ah! That's how it feels like most of the morning. It's like, oh, I'm strapping in. It's not too bad, but then clink, 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 clink. Oh, no, this is going to get crazy. So anyways, she and I were talking about presentations, but we will not be talking about public um, uh, presentations. You don't have to do any of that, but we will be talking about giving this morning. Um, and in particular, in particular, maybe the two things that I'm hoping we kind of walk away with this morning is, one, one in particular is that God's love gives. God's love gives gives okay that's one thing for us to orient ourselves toward this morning god's love gives and the second thing is god invites us into living a love that gives these are the two things we're going to kind of talk about this morning that god's love gives and god invites us into living a love that gives now god makes an invitation to us and we get to respond how we want to respond. But God makes an invitation for us to give. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in particular. But before we do, how about we pray for a minute and then we'll keep, keep going here, okay? And we'll just say, God, thank you so much. This morning, first and foremost, as we you know, start our service with a little bit of worship, music, God, uh, we, we do come here um, trying to remind ourselves that you are incredible, and um, so many different things happening in our lives, but we want to um, reacquaint ourselves with how amazing you are, how loving you are, how patient you are. And we thank you so much that you invite us into rich relationship with you. We ask this morning, God, is there something that you want to stir up inside of us? Is there something you want to capture um, that you want to highlight for us about you, about ourselves, whatever that may be. God, we're trying to make space this morning to hear from you. We just ask that you would be speaking. We love you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I guess the, the first, that first point God's love gives, giving is this attribute 
of God. And, and when I say that, I don't mean for any of you who are like really into theology, I'm not saying there's like this list of attributes of God, like his omnipotence, his omnipresence, blah, blah, blah. What I'm just saying is who God is, just naturally who he is, he, he's giving. And, and maybe more specifically, who God is, God is loving, and kind of the way he shows love is through giving. I mean, he still is a, a giver, but he is ultimately so loving, and the way that love manifests is through giving. That's who God is, just at his very nature. Um, you know, when I was a kid, I, I used to watch uh, football a bit, as, you know, with my family. I don't really watch a ton of it too much anymore, but when I was a kid, it, you always, the kind of running joke was you'd always see John 3.16 somewhere in the stands at a, at a football game. And for those of us who grew up in church, that's a pretty classic verse, you know, that, that passage, God loved the world so much that he gave his son that whoever believes in him wouldn't perish but have eternal life, right? And the thing that I want to underscore in this passage is that God loved so much, he did what? He gave. He gave his son. At the core of who God is, he loves, and from that love, he gives. God loves the world so much, he gave, right? I think sometimes it's, it's it, I think we can forget about that aspect of who God is. Maybe as we mature in the faith or whatever it may be, we forget that God is giving. And I guess part of the, this, the thing this morning is reacquainting ourselves with that God, that God who, who, who gives. As a matter of fact, not only did God love the world so much that he gave, in Romans 5.8 it says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Which is, God gives, and he doesn't wait until you're ready to give. He gives in advance while I was not even prepared for the gift, he gave the gift. That's the kind of giver God is. So God loved the world so much that he gave. And he didn't wait for me to get ready for it. He gave ahead of time. And then invites me into the gift if I want it, in some sense. Uh, Mark ten forty five is talking about, um, Jesus is, is talking, he says, The Son of Man, he, he didn't come to be served, he came to serve. And he came to give. And he didn't come to give a tax-deductible donation. He came to give his life as a ransom, as a payment for us. That Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give. That's who God is. That's who Jesus is. And even better, as if it wasn't enough that we're talking about eternal things and God gives us the opportunity at eternity with him and, and etc. But even better... God's not just interested in giving eternal things, although those are very important things. He's also willing to meet you and me here now and give things for the here and now. Um, there's so many verses, but Psalm um, 107.9 says, He satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. Are you thirsty? Are you hungry today? God will meet you in that place as well. Not just an eternal gift, but right now, temporally, you have needs. Jesus says uh, in uh, Matthew 11, Come to me, everyone who's weary, who's heavy laden, or who's really burdened, and I will give you rest for your soul now, not later, now. And so this morning, as we kind of start our conversation, I'm just going to ask you to take a breath this morning and ask yourself, Are you acquainted this morning with the God who gives? 
Are you in relationship this morning from a, from a heart place with the God who gives? Not, not the God who's given you the Ten Commandments to do, right? Not the God who's asking you to do more, do more, do more. I'm, I'm, I'm wondering this morning, are you acquainted with the God who sees you, what you need eternally, what you need temporarily, and he meets you in that place? Are you acquainted this morning with the God who gives? Take a second. Chew on that for a quick second. And as if that wasn't enough, which, I mean, that... That we could end right there. We could be done this morning. And that could be enough for our hearts and our minds. But as if that wasn't enough, this God who, whose love gives, he invites us into giving, into being people that are similar to him, that we get to give as well. He says, let me show you what love is like. It's a giving love. And then let me invite you into learning how to live that love. In Acts uh, 20, 35, uh, Paul's talking to the church, um, and he says, you know, hey, when I, when I came to, to minister to you guys, I took on a second job because I knew you didn't have money to support me. So I got, took on a second job, and, and you know, my rent and my food and all that stuff was paid for by my second job because I, I knew. I knew it was important this whole thing, this whole gift that I was going to give you was important, and I didn't want this whole money thing to get in the way. And then he quotes, we don't read this in the Gospels, but he quotes apparently this phrase that people were using at the time. He quotes Jesus and says, you know what? It's more blessed to give than receive. He says, that's, that's who Jesus, remember, that, that, remember the, uh, the phrase that we've all heard from Jesus, more blessed to give than receive. And the, the thing is, it's not more pious to give than receive, It's not a good idea to give instead of receive. From my vantage point, it's more lifier to give than receive. At the core of living life, you know, living that abundant life, if you dig deep into life, it's not receiving. It's not getting more comfort. If you dig deep into what life really is from God's vantage point, it's giving and he says, I got a secret for you. Giving is life full. I do it, and I want you to do it as well. You to experience life. Um, you know, kind of as a, as a way to, to explore this a little bit, there are two wealthy people that Jesus interacts with. Um, this rich young ruler and Zacchaeus, and we'll kind of explore these stories. And I kind of the question is, when we get into close proximity with God, with this God who gives, with Jesus, the question is kind of how do we respond? And we'll see two types of responses with these two um, individuals. At this point in Luke, Jesus is kind of on his farewell tour, you know? Um, and this isn't like the Eagles, where they do like a farewell tour like every couple of years, you know? No, seriously, we're out of here. We're really gone. Uh, this is his real farewell tour. Um, and so he's getting ready to, to head on out, and he's moving toward Jerusalem to, to deliver the gift that God had uh, promised. 
um, to, de- to deliver himself, to, to go to Jerusalem, to die on a cross, to rise from the dead. He's heading in that direction. But as he's heading in that direction, he's interacting with people. He's healing. He's teaching all these things. And he's, he's meeting with people. And there's one person in particular that he meets with on the, on the way. And this is the rich young ruler um, in Luke 18. And the, the rich young ruler is part of the, part of the in crowd. He's a pious person. He's been around the church. Uh, I mean, there wasn't any church, but he's been around the temple, etc., cetera, uh, or the synagogue at that, at that point. So he, he knew what to say. He was part of the, the in crowd, and he was pious, okay? And he comes to Jesus, and here's, here's kind of the interaction. Now, there are a few different things we could go with in this passage. This is a really good passage, it's a really interesting passage, but we're going to focus on just one particular aspect here. Um, but this is Luke 18, verses 18 through uh, 27. It says, and a ruler asked him, asked Jesus, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Quick side note, good teacher, so he's framing Jesus as a particular person, a good teacher. Um, And that's fine, but there's also something to kind of recognize that he's approaching Jesus in a certain way. Um, The fact that he's even calling him good teacher, he sees Jesus in a certain way, he's approaching him in a certain way. And then he says something like, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He's also coming from a perspective that God, in God's economy, you do certain things to get certain things. Okay, so he comes to Jesus with the, from this perspective. And there's a wealthy man who's, who's learned if you do the right things, you get a lot of money. Okay? And they're also in a system where a lot of people think if you have money, that's probably because you're blessed by God. So you must be doing something right. Okay? So there's a whole background here. So he comes up to Jesus and he says, good teacher, what must I do to in- inherit eternal life? Um, verse 19, there's a whole thing here. I'll just... Um, gloss right over it and says, and Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. He, he keeps moving here. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And the uh, rich young ruler, light, his eyes maybe get a little bigger, bigger here, and he says, ah, all these I've done from my youth. Good news. I've done them all. Ah, yes. All right. So then you're saying I've inherited eternal life already. Good. Good to know. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, one thing you still lack. Now, Jesus just gave him a bunch of commandments. And, and in that system, you know, hey, you've got to follow these commandments. That's the, that's the whole point. But Jesus kind of goes off script a little bit here. So Jesus looks at him and says, one thing you still lack besides all this commandment following Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor or give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come, follow me. But when this man heard these things, he became very sad, as you you might be able to imagine, Um, for he was extremely rich. Jesus, looking at him with sadness, said, how difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. For it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And those who heard it said, well, then who can be saved? And Jesus said, what is impossible with men is possible with God. So this young man um, approaches Jesus, and there's something happening psychologically, emotionally, spiritually for this young man. He, he shows up to Jesus um, and, and I'm, I'm reminded, as I was kind of getting prepped for this uh, talk, um, I was stumbled on Forbes, um, if you're familiar with Forbes. Anyways, they had this little list of the um, top 400 uh, billionaires in America. And they break down all the different billionaires. But one of the, uh, the metrics that they use for these billionaires 
is um, how charitable they are. Okay, so they put all these billionaires on a list of how charitable they are. Um, now you're talking about these, these 400 people have a net worth of like $4.2 trillion between, between the 400 or so. There's a lot of money, but um, they, together all 400 of these people have given away like $250 billion out of the four of them, okay? Put that in a little bit of context, although when you're talking billions and trillions, it doesn't even make sense anyways. But to put that in a little bit of context, $250 billion is less than 6% of their entire wealth, okay? So it's, it's a, $250 billion is a lot of money. I'll take some of it, okay? I'm, I'm fine with that. But it's not a lot of money relatively is what this Forbes list is trying to say. So what they do is they say, hey, let's, t- let's talk about they, they give all these guys. This is what we do as humans. We just label people. But anyway, so they give them all a metric of, about charity, how charitable are these people, right? What they come to find out is uh, 30, a little bit more than 30% of these 400 people give 1% or less of their net worth away. And that's not just like put it into a, an account for uh, potentially being char- charitable one day. That's like the actual money that's left their accounts and been given to charity. So they say about 30%, a little bit more than 30% of these people give 1% or less than their uh, net worth away. And then two-thirds of them give less than 5% of their billions away, okay? Now, the point I'm trying to make is not, it's not, hey, tax the rich, or hey, oh, these rich people are, so, are the worst. What I am trying to underscore is for the human heart, billionaires and not billionaires uh, there's something happening emotionally, psychologically when it comes to wealth. Sometimes what happens is enough will never, ever be enough. Never. And that rich young ruler comes to Jesus with that same principle in mind. Okay? Um, there's a, a psychologist, I think I've said this one a couple of times, but there's a, a researcher, excuse me, down at UCI, his name's Paul Piff, and I've said this example a little bit. He did this fun little experiment where he set up a Monopoly game, um, and he put two people at, you know, at the game, and he gave one person twice the amount of money, two uh, dice, and every time they pass go, they you know, earn $200. The other person had half the amount of money, uh, you know, so this person has twice as much, this one has half as much. Um, only one dice to roll, and every time they pass go, they only get $100, right? And the interesting, and there was a lot of stuff going on here, but one of the interesting parts is, as the game progressed, the person who started with more became more, um, there's like more bravado, more like, ah, in your face, like rolling those dice a little harder, giggling a little bit more at the misfortune of the other person. Never once did the person who started with more money say, this game is rigged. Never once. As a matter of fact, at the end of the game, they would say, how did you do so well? And they, they would never say, well, I started with a ton of money and had all the advantages. No, they always would be like, well, you know, I just made some good choices out there, really invested in the properties or whatever it may be. There's something psychologically going on in the human heart. And this ruler shows up to Jesus with that same principle going on underneath the surface. Now, there's something that, it, it, uh, so first of all, right before, like I said, um, the, the couple verses beforehand, um, some people were, were bringing kids to Jesus, and they're saying, hey, you know, bless these kids, and the disciples are like, come on, come on, come on, come on, the kids aren't that important kind of thing, and Jesus is like, no, stop, 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 
The kids are very important. As a matter of fact, I want you to approach me and the kingdom and faith from their perspective. I'm going to give you a gift. Receive the kingdom from that place. Receive the kingdom. Don't earn the kingdom. Receive the kingdom. Receive this gift that I'm giving you. And then the, this young ruler pivots directly into, oh, okay, cool, cool. But how do I earn the kingdom, though? Is there a way I can earn the kingdom? What's fascinating here is it, Luke doesn't show this, but both Matthew and Mark also tell this story. And Mark, in his telling of the story, he adds this little element. And, and in that spot where um, Jesus says, well, here, follow all the commandments, and then, the, um, then the, the ruler's like, oh, sweet, awesome, I have followed all the commandments, so that's good news. In Mark, Jesus follows up with this little phrase. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, you lack one thing. Mark is the same person who, when he was talking about the feeding of 5,000, as Jesus was approaching all of these people, it says Jesus had compassion on them because they were like lost sheep without a shepherd. And I wonder if that's the same dynamic Jesus is seeing as this rich young ruler approaches Jesus, if Jesus sees something core inside this young man. And all of a sudden, what Mark's trying to underscore is Jesus feels a sense of compassion for this young man. He says, well, I've, I've actually, I've done all that. And Jesus does something that's difficult, but I would say compassionate. He noticed something was going on for this young man, and he loved him so much that he was willing to underscore the heart, the core of what's going on with this young man. He didn't just say, okay, good, well, sounds good, bye. He said, uh, you know, you follow the commands. That's great. That's great. But what about giving? How important to you is it to have stuff? Where exactly does God live in all of this? What's more important to you, your money or God? And then you see, and it says in, in the scripture, that this young man's face falls. He becomes really sad because Jesus has gotten right to the heart of this young man. That's awesome. You follow all the commands, but let's be honest. Something else is going on for you. God's really not that important to you relatively in some sense. And this man's face falls. You know, a couple chapters before, Jesus was talking with the Pharisees and he said, you know, you, you Pharisees, these particular religious leaders at the time, he said, you're the type of person that seeks to justify yourself before other human beings. You have a huge Bible and you say all these verses to get other people to think you're something. But God doesn't work that way. He knows what's happening inside your heart. And Jesus approaches this young man and says, hey, I know something's going on inside your heart. Let's get to it if you want to. I'm going to invite you into something. Money is really important to you, isn't it? Is God really important to you, though? Let's experiment with something. Get rid of all your wealth. Take all of that wealth. And I'm, I'm telling you, if you do that, you're investing all of that. He says, your treasure is in heaven instead of here. That's good news. Eventually, you're going to go to heaven, right? So you want a lot of treasure up there, right? No? You don't want to invest in that? No? Yes, no? And then he says, even better, get rid of your wealth so you're not tied to all that and just come follow me. Come be with me. And now the young man feels something. That's not what I was actually hoping for, Jesus. That's not what I was looking for. And Jesus says, 
Okay. Well, now we know. Now we all know, don't we? There's a whole principle here. I'm going to have to kind of uh, to, to move on. But what's interesting to me, one of the things that's interesting to me, is Jesus doesn't, first of all, Jesus doesn't say, hey, sell all you have and give it to my ministry. That's fascinating. Jesus says, sell everything that you have. You're really rich. Sell everything you have and give it to the, the poor people. Jesus wasn't a rich person, so he could have said, hey, give it to me. You know, I'm, I have needs. I'm going around town. I'm doing these I'm healing people. You know, I deserve the money. But he just says, hey, just sell everything you have. Give it to the poor. And then he says, come follow me. And then he says something really fascinating. It's really hard for the rich to enter the kingdom. It's really hard for the rich to give themselves over to the kingdom, to receive this gift that God has given but Jesus doesn't try and push the man. He doesn't try and shame the man. How shameful. Look at you. You disgusting. He just gives him this compassionate, do you want to see this about yourself? Or do you not want to see this about yourself? And it's interesting because in, in 2 Corinthians uh, chapters 8, chapters uh, 8 and 9, Paul's talking to the Corinthian church. And they've, they said, hey, you know, I think it's the Jerusalem church isn't doing too well uh, financially. Uh, or, the, or, excuse me, some individuals in Jerusalem aren't doing too well. And, and so the Corinthians are like, oh, let's take, a, let's take up some, you know, some money and let's help support the Jerusalem church um, or Jerusalem individuals. And, and he's like, that's awesome. Let's, let's figure that whole thing out. Let's do the logistics on that. But then he underscores something. Hey, just give what you can. I'm not looking for you guys to all of a sudden be poor and destitute so that we can get these people comfortable. What do you have available to you? Search what you have, your bank account, your blah, 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 and then try and give what you get. But I'm not here to put pressure on you. And Jesus is doing the same thing here with this young man. I just want you to see something in your heart in some sense, right? And we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that. But let's move on to chapter 19. This is Zacchaeus. And here we have another wealthy man, okay? So both of these two people are wealthy. But Zacchaeus is one of the lost ones. He's one of the sinners. He's not one of the pious. He's not on the, the in crowd, so to speak. Um, and and he's, he approaches Jesus. I'm not sure if any of, us, uh, any of you guys were raised in the church like I was, but in like the 80s and 90s, there was this banger of a hit called Zacchaeus. Uh, like Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little man. You guys remember this one? Woo! So we're about to get in this. But if you, if you don't, Maybe if you give yourself a gift today, go to YouTube and search it up. I'm sure it's out there for sure. I'm sure it's out there. Uh, but this is uh, Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus 19. This is uh, he, Jesus. Uh, he entered Jericho. And again, he's uh, heading toward uh, Jerusalem. But he entered Jericho and was passing through. And there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. Side note, I think this is the only time in, in the New Testament where there's a reference to a chief tax collector. And I think in Jericho, there's a lot of money. Jericho was a, was, a, was a trade city, and there's a lot of money going on. So there's so much money going on that not only was Zacchaeus a tax collector, he's a chief tax collector. There's like a whole system of tax collectors. And at that time, people were not big fans of tax collectors. You might have heard Tim reference this a, a couple of weeks ago, or maybe you heard this before. But at the time, it wasn't a well-regulated system necessarily. The Romans were like, hey, look, we need our money. Go get our money. If you tack a little something on for yourself, whatever. We're not going to ask questions as long as we get our money. And there were plenty of people that said, 
I will do that very thing. That, that sounds good to me. And they'd go out and get money for the, the um, Roman uh, Empire, and then they'd get a little something extra for themselves. And a lot of people did not like tax collectors. They didn't like it. And they had no power, no power to change the system. So they're really angry about it. So we see Zacchaeus is the chief of the tax collectors, so probably very well liked, I imagine. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was a small he was small of stature so he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see Jesus for Jesus was about to pass that way and when Jesus came to the place he looked up and said to him Zacchaeus hurry and come down for i must stay at your house today so he hurried and came down and received him joyfully And when they saw it, this is the crowd, and when they saw it, they all grumbled. He's going to be a guest of a, a man who was a sinner. And Zacchaeus, listen to his response here. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my goods I give to the poor. I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. It's interesting that Zacchaeus, there was something, you know, the, this rich young ruler approached Jesus, and he kind of had a certain attitude uh, about Jesus. Zacchaeus wasn't as brash. I don't know, maybe because there was too big of a crowd. Uh, I'm not too sure. But he approached Jesus. He wanted to be in close proximity to Jesus, but he, wasn't, he didn't just go right up to him. And to me, there's something interesting going on inside Zacchaeus' heart in some sense. But Zacchaeus comes in contact with Jesus' radical inclusivity. Jesus comes and says, hey, I want to stay with you. I want to stay with you. Everyone's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, that guy's a tax collector, right? That guy's a sinner. And he's like, oh, yeah, I want to stay with this guy. And I imagine, this is my imagination, I'm bringing this into the, into the text here, I imagine Zacchaeus hadn't felt selected, hadn't felt chosen before, he hadn't felt loved like that. And something washes over Zacchaeus, and he's moved to give. He experiences Jesus' love, experiences God's love, and he's moved to give. He gives half of his income to the poor. And then he says, if I've defrauded anybody, I'm going to give four times that amount to whoever it is I defrauded. He's moved deeply to give. I'm reminded of Luke uh, 7, 47. It says, those who have been forgiven much, love much. And the way I read that is, those who have experienced forgiveness at a deep level, from that place, love bubbles up. I've experience this forgiveness, I want to give in some sense. And this is Zacchaeus. He's experienced this acceptance, this love, and he says, I'm going to give my money away in some sense. What's interesting, too, is that Jesus didn't tell Zacchaeus, "Eh, oh, man, okay, 50% of the poor, that's good, and four times what you um, defrauded, that's awesome, but I kind of set a precedent earlier. You're kind of supposed to give it all away. (laughs) That's that's what I told this other guy earlier, so... It's, it's interesting that Jesus says, awesome. You want to give? That sounds good to me. Because I wonder if for God, for Jesus, he doesn't really give a rip what you give in some sense. 
that he's just saying, what's going on in here? Where is what you're giving coming from? There's that time in the uh, temple where p- there people you know, giving large sums of money um, to the temple, and there's this, this uh, widow who gives like two pennies, less than two pennies, if I remember correctly, um, into, and, and Jesus stops and goes, whoa, 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 whoa. Look at what she gave. And it wasn't the amount so much as this woman has barely anything, but she's so dedicated to God. She says, yeah, I just, God, whatever you need, I'm just going to give it. I'm going to give it. And all these people who had a ton of money, it's like the billionaires are like, yeah, I'll give $250 billion of my many, many, or $250 million of all, you know, whatever my wealth is. It's like, yeah, but that doesn't really, co- at the core of where you are, is that really costing you anything? Or is that more looking like something in some sense? And Jesus meets with Zacchaeus and says, awesome. I'm not even asking you to give it all away. But you met with God's love and that's the kind of giving you want to do? Sounds good to me. And he even goes so far as to say, salvation has come into this household. Someone who used to defraud others, in an instant, money becomes secondary to the kingdom. His very idea of what was life, he says, that isn't life anymore. I'm going to let go of this and I'm going to Whole, I'm going to um, receive the gift of the kingdom from God. Zacchaeus repents right there, receives the kingdom. And I guess we'll kind of button up with this. I, I guess if you were in the, the crowd, maybe with the rich young ruler, or you're in the crowd and you're watching Jesus interacting with, with Zacchaeus, and, and, and you see Jesus turn around and he locks eyes with you, And he walks over to you and he asks, hey, where are you at today? How loving and giving are you these days? What's really important to you? Where are your treasures? Where is your heart? Take a a moment and just reflect for just a a moment right now. How would you respond to Jesus if if he asked you that this morning? Take a moment, just reflect on that. And I guess for those of us who, you know, you're looking into the eyes of Jesus and you say, you know what, Jesus, I, I guess when it comes down to it, the, the kingdom has kind of lost its importance to me lately. I, I, I guess I feel a little more rich young ruler than I do Zacchaeus these days. Let me invite you into, into some experiments this, this coming week, or this coming month, or whatever it is you want to, whatever it is you want to um, commit to. But I guess the first thing I would challenge you to do, to, to do is exactly like the ruler, exactly like, like Zacchaeus, come into closer proximity to the gift. This week, this month, be with Jesus. Do what you can to get close to Jesus this week, this month.
And while you may, and maybe it's maybe it's a on, on your way to work, you just turn the radio off and you say, okay, whew, I'm just going to make a little bit of space for Jesus. Or maybe when you get home from work, you just sit in the driveway for just a few extra minutes and you say, Jesus, just I just want to be with you for a little bit here. Maybe you get up a little bit earlier in the morning, you grab, grab a cup of coffee, your journal, the scripture, and you just sit with Jesus and you say, I want to get in closer proximity to you. And while you're doing that, maybe experiment with a couple of things this week. Experiment with gratitude, with humility, and with confession. These are just some experiments that we can try this week. With gratitude, maybe as you're sitting with Jesus, in your close proximity to him, say something like, Jesus, thank you. Maybe you can say, Jesus, thank you so much for this eternal gift. God, you love so much, you gave. Wow, thank you. Or maybe it's something more temporal. You say, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for these warm clothes. Thank you for this food. Thank you for this home. Man, thank you. The second thing is, as you're in close proximity to Jesus, ask with humility. I know you said to that rich young ruler, you lack something. I'm going to try and open myself up to you, Jesus, and say, what do I lack? Is there something I'm missing I'm begging that you be gentle here. But what do I lack? And then the third thing is, as you're in close proximity to Jesus, confess. And just say, you know, Jesus, I'm recognizing, man, I am tethered to, to things that aren't your kingdom. You know, financially or whatever it may be. I've made some things really important and I'm starting to realize that, you know what? Maybe that's not the important thing. And just confess that. Tell, that. tell that to him. And for those of us who, who want to say, you know, I do want to be a little more zacchaeus this week or this month or whatever it may be, here are some experiments to try. Maybe today, leave church, go to a grocery store, get some grocery bags and fill them full of socks, granola bars, water, toothbrush, toothpaste, chips, whatever it may be. Put those bags in your car and then just say, you know what, God, I want to be more giving. Put me in close proximity to someone who's homeless. I just, I'm going to bless them with this bag of stuff. I want to be more oriented toward giving. So you know, I'm going to try that experiment this week. Maybe you go to uh, the store and buy some uh, gift cards, $5, $10, whatever it may be. And you say, I know some people in my life who could use a blessing. Maybe it's a teacher. Maybe it's one of your friends. Uh, maybe it's one of the pastors. Just somebody you know could use a blessing this week. Say, you know what, God, I'm going to be oriented toward giving. I'm going to buy some, some of these little gift cards and try and bless somebody this week. Maybe if you're a person, like myself, if you're a person who maybe buys Starbucks pretty frequently or uh, one of the coffee spots around here, or maybe you eat out pretty frequently, maybe just make a commitment this week. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to set aside one or two of those dinners this week, or I'm going to set aside a couple of these coffee runs, and I'm going to take that money, that's uh, 10 bucks, 20 bucks, 30 bucks, whatever. I'm going to take that money, I'm going to jump online, and I'm going to donate that money to charity. I'm just going to find a charity, and I'm going to give that away. Or maybe I'm going to uh, set, you know, give that over to, to life. You know, I'm going to add that to my tithe or whatever it may be. Do some experiments this week where you say, you know what, God, I want to experiment a little bit with giving, with being more giving. And with each of these experiments that you take, try and utter this little prayer as a reminder, 
as a, uh, something to marinate in, in inside these experiments. This little prayer where you just remind yourself, you say, God loved so much that he gave. As you give that gift card away, as you give that bag to the homeless person, utter that prayer to remind yourself that I'm not just doing something to check off a box. I'm trying to be like the one who loved me. God loved so much that he gave, and, and I want to be that person too.